Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. My name is Cora Gernon. I created this space for women to share all of the details surrounding their pregnancy, labour, birth and everything in between without feeling shy about the detail. Sit back and enjoy over 100 hours of birth stories told by you, the listeners. Hello, I hope you're all well. Um, Yeah, I didn't get a chance to record an episode last week. My guest and I couldn't reschedule so I don't I'm not as flexible as I used to be when it comes to rescheduling episodes I used to have loads of time in my hands in the evening and I don't anymore so if I can't reschedule um one of our chats which is very rare um then I just have to let it go and move on to the following week so before we get stuck into this week's guest and I share a little bit about her story in the intro I want to highlight um something that has just been created by a group of really passionate, powerful, driven and committed Irish women and that is the Births Right Alliance of Ireland and they have just created this to try and bring about change in the maternity system. We all know it needs to happen. So I will tag their um, Instagram page and their website. They were part of the rally on Sunday which I couldn't make. My back just won't allow me to do these things um, but I was there in spirit and obviously I'm behind them and anything that they do. Our midwives need our support um, um, now more than ever, it's at a critical point. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to highlight what they're doing and where you can go have a look at them and see, just follow their story, basically, and give them as much support as you can. So to talk about this week's episode, I share my chat with Sarah Louise, who talks me through her one pregnancy and the birth of her little girl. Sarah Louise's story um, is very different to any other story that I've ever shared on the podcast. So she talks about going through a relationship breakup throughout her pregnancy. So she was a couple of weeks pregnant. She was with her partner for over 10 years and she was a couple of weeks pregnant when he decided that the relationship wasn't for him anymore. She shares um, the various stages she went through um, of coping with the breakup, of going to appointments alone during covid being diagnosed with gestational diabetes 
and the incredible support she received throughout her labour and the birth of her little girl. She was induced and she says she has such fond memories of the people that supported her, including her ex-partner who was there at the birth and who was a great support. Um, She also goes into life after dealing with a breakup and having a newborn baby um, and she does want to highlight I suppose the reason why she wants to tell her story is to give those who are single parents who have just recently broken up with uh, a partner and who have a new baby or, or who are in a similar position that Sarah Louise was in um, going through a breakup throughout the pregnancy. She is now in a long-term relationship and herself and her ex-partner co-parent really well. So we had a chat after our conversation and she just told me that it's it's, she's actually in a really good place. So enjoy this week's episode. Thank you, Sarah Louise, for sharing as much as you did. I really appreciate it. And I have tagged Sarah Louise in the show notes. If you want to get in touch, she's more than happy to chat. And just a little warning, I do drop an F-bomb in there in the middle of the episode, just if you have little ears around, just to be cautious of it. Sarah Louise, you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Delighted to sit down and have this chat. Thank you so much for having me. Not at all. Um, do you want to just start by giving us a little introduction to you and your family and then we'll get stuck into your story? So my name is Sarah Louise. I'm from Dundalk in County Loud and I have one baby, a little girl called Kaylee. She's two and four months. And that's my family. <laughs> so tell us about, um, I suppose, conception and discovering that you were pregnant. So... Um, I had been in a relationship for like 10 years and he went overseas. He's in the Irish Army and I was out one night and I was like the next morning I was really, really sick. And I was like, oh, this is really strange. So I was like, there's no way I could be pregnant and went on about my business. I went into work on the Monday. The sickness continued and I rang my sister, my eldest sister, Julie, and I told her and she was like, are you late? Like, I was like, no, it's not due till Wednesday, but I'm so sick. So she was like, sure, just do a wee test and see. I went back to work. I casually done it in work because I couldn't wait. Mm-hmm. I was like, and just like bing to the, the, the lines come up like and I was like, oh, my goodness. And I had tried to ring my partner at the time. Uh, so excited to finally like share this good news and obviously he didn't answer he was working so I phoned my sister back and then I phoned my dad I said don't tell anybody yet because obviously I haven't spoke to um Kelly's dad about it and he phoned me that night then and he said well like what's wrong and I obviously like told him and he was like what no way like I can't believe this and yeah, the excitement lasted for about a whole two weeks. And then he was like, yeah, I don't think I love you anymore. We're finishing. I was like, what the hell? And yeah, it was absolutely like crazy. So we decided then he was overseas. So it was so hard, like, you know, trying to communicate and like emotions were high. And um, this was then November. So I found out in November. And then he said, look, I think I'm going to come home for Christmas I'm going to ask them to support me through this and get home for Christmas. So he come home for Christmas and we had like a counselling session set up then straight away. 
and we went to the counselling and like he basically said like there is always hope like you know if you want to make it work this can work so we did our first session and then we did like a single one each Mm. like this was all within like around Christmas and like he only had 10 days to be at home and then he had to go back so he went back then and in the February then like things obviously he was like look I'm gonna cut my trip short I'm gonna come home like it's not fair on you having to deal with all this and um, I said right okay so I have to say the his work was absolutely amazing with supporting the both of us and getting him home um because usually when you go over there for six months you can't get home early you know so I'm trying to think um he come home then in February and we went to a different counsellor this time around. We just, the first counsellor, we didn't kind of have a bond with it. So we went to the counselling and she seen us together and then both seen us separately. And then she seen us together again. And then she seen Kelly's dad separately again. So then he come home and he said, look, I need to chat with you. And he said, I don't know how to do this like face to face. I don't have the words, but I find that like if I communicate through a paper and pen that like I it can work better for me. So I was like, look, you do what you have to do. So he gave me this letter and in this letter, like I won't go into detail, but basically mm-hmm. like he'd been having these feelings for a long time and obviously he didn't want to bring this baby into like a negative environment and like he didn't see any way past this so we've then both this was like yeah just before COVID like so we both lived together and in Kildare so I lived my family his family are all from the dock so like we were both just us and we both then kind of made the decision like will we stay like it's going to cause so much drama and stress mm. between our families like we've been with each other from children like secondary school so we made the decision then that we were going to stay living together while doing counseling just I suppose to have like a mediator to try and sort out things because obviously I was so upset and so you had no support then in Kildare no no like not really like I had friends that I had made um like my work colleagues I suppose Mm. like I didn't obviously tell anybody like but I told one of my best friends so like she was kind of my main support like any like we all also we had mutual friends like a couple that were mutual friends and we both told them for support like because obviously just to have somebody to be like oh my god what am I going to do like mm. so um our mutual friends like his fiance kind of said to me like I, I think you should tell somebody in your family like you know like you have a long way to go and <clears throat> like she was like I need you like she was telling me to move out like this is not good for you like during pregnancy like you know it's not an environment that <clears throat> you want to be pregnant in so my elder sister my mum's passed away so I phoned my eldest sister and I told her and she was like, look, she was like, I don't mean to be like unrealistic, but men, sometimes it's fright or flight. And she said, like, maybe this is just him completely panicking. Like, I can't play the PlayStation for 10 hours at night now. I can't go out with the lads on a weekend away. You know, like she was like, just give it time. Like she said, do the counselling, 
see how you get on and like if it's still like no then we'll try and you know we'll put actions into our plan so she kind of just touched base with me every day like and then uh, he went down on holidays with the boys over to Dubai for a week and I think then in that week I kind of knew like this is not like it's never going to work like so cool <laughs> he was going traveling to like part of Vietnam for two weeks as well but then Covid hit so his holiday was cut short so he come home and then obviously we were going counseling stopped and everything so we were doing it through Zoom and to be honest looking back now we should have never agreed to live together because he obviously was at that stage of the breakup where I suppose he didn't have emotions to me anymore and he probably didn't for a long time um where I was still very much emotionally involved and then I was pregnant so the hormones on top of all that so then I got gestational diabetes and we ended anyway to cut a long story short we just decided to live together and we told nobody and then yeah, we kind of try to work through it as much as possible. I don't want to give too much without going into it. Of course, it. yeah. So, um, like, so when you had appointments, were you going to appointments alone or was he supporting you in appointments? No, so sure, with COVID you weren't allowed. So my first 12-week appointment, uh, a oh, friend. So it would have been kept, like, yeah, around 12 weeks. Yes, like, yeah. so that was January the 25th. I went for my scan to make sure the baby was okay and all. Mm. And then sure COVID hit so I was doing them all on my own like and did you feel how connected to your pregnancy did you feel or did you feel distracted yeah so it was very um it was very hard because obviously this baby was very wanted and I couldn't wait to be a mom I think in my whole way through my pregnancy I didn't allow myself to get worked up probably as much as I should have I always kept telling myself, like, you know, you have your baby now, like, you have to be in a positive mind frame for this baby. So I was very connected and I always knew that I was going to be okay because I had the baby, which, yeah, like, so I was very much like at nighttime, like, I would sing to the baby, like, I had my routine and, you know, like, I was like, no, I have to build with this baby now because I didn't know what it was going to be like Mm. once the baby was born, you know. And did you do any classes to kind of? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he done them too now. He done okay. them with me. So we done. I, I can't remember it. It was all through Zoom. Uh, it was like uh, preparing for baby to come. So like you know, learn how to make the bottles, the nappies. You know, like that beginners. I can't remember who I done it with now at the time, but it was free. And it was for three hours on a Saturday. So. We done that through soon, and then I also done like a breastfeeding one because in my head I was like, I'm breastfeeding. And what else did we do? Um, that was kind of it. Like, if there was anything like regarding the baby, we'd sit and like we'd talk about, or like the likes of like the pram and like all them big things. Like, we'd he was like quite he's a very laid back guy, anyway, so he was like, No, like just. And there was one problem and he was like, no way. But other than that, like, you know, like we did have like decisions and like he was involved in such, with such like that for the pregnancy. 
that must have been so conflicting because I was going to ask you how how did you do that together when you knew like how I don't know because I think in my head we were still living together so yeah in my head I probably thought like oh no like this is a stage we're going to get back Mm. so it kind of made it easier for me I don't think I accepted the breakup until the baby was born I think like in my head I was like no it will be fine like everything's going to be okay and like I remember like even on like the days where I was like this is shit show but like just being like it's going to be okay it's going to be okay and just kept telling myself like it was going to be okay Jesus that is that's it's it's such a excuse my French a head fuck like like it's it's, that's incredibly tough Mm -hmm. oh my goodness yeah it was very tough so throughout your pregnancy as you started to have your scans and to see baby did you feel a sense of excitement that oh yeah 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 like it was like the most exciting thing like I Mm. ever like from the first flutter to the first kick the the kicks in the ribs at night time mm. like I just like I remember um I was about 18 weeks and my scan wasn't until 22 weeks so I remember being like I was so convinced I was having a boy like I like I even bought like a wee boy's outfit like I was like really really convinced like this is a little boy and I remember being like mommy's boy you know like when I was speaking yeah. to my bump at night time or and um I was then I was getting really anxious because I was like I'm not feeling anything should I be feeling like at this stage you know you hear you're listening to everyone's stories and I was like I think like at 21 weeks then I was getting really anxious and I remember ringing the hospital and being like look I'm really anxious and she was like no come on up like if you're anxious and you're not feeling anything even though that's quite normal she was like come up like they were so the coom was absolutely amazing like and I went up on my own I drove through Covid through the checkpoints on the motorway and going up and she was like your baby's fine it's just that the placentia is at the front so like it will be harder for you to feel the baby's kicks okay and she asked me, do you want to know what you're having? And I, I said, no, 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 I'll wait. So my 22 week scan came and myself and um, Kelly's dad, we drove over. He was with me and he was like, I said, like, will I find out? I said, what about getting it on a piece of paper? So we got it on a piece of paper and we went back to the house. And I remember just looking at his face and that cheeky grin. I knew it was a girl. I just knew. And I remember going like, oh. <gasps> I can't believe this like and I remember like absolutely sobbing uncontrollably going like I'm getting my little girl like and I remember ringing my family and they were all like you sound so disappointed <laughs> I was like no I just am shocked that like mm-hmm. it's this little girl and I remember like just knowing then like you know what like we have each other and I remember just yeah. being told it was a little girl and I was like my mom sent me this little girl this is my best friend now and mm-hmm. we're going to get through it and I think when I found out that I was having a little girl, like in my head, I was like, we're going to be okay. And we were and we are okay. And mm. looking back now, you know, he done us a favour and we're so much happier. Like, because I think it came into my head that this 
uh, like your little girl and seeing that it was a little girl was like a gift from your mom as in like you're going to be okay but also when you saw those scans and you saw her like did you feel that it's going to be us too like we're go- we're going to be okay like the deeper connection yeah yeah, yeah. I, that's the way I would describe it that connection mm. and I think you know he was very much like he didn't want to give me false hope so like if I'd go into him at night we slept in separate rooms mm. so if I'd go in and be like oh my god the baby's kicking he'd be like huh and sometimes he would feel and sometimes he'd be like oh no it's okay like you know but I think looking back now he didn't want to because he didn't want to give me false hope of like if I give her this of what she's looking for is she going to think that there's hope so I remember like always telling myself like she knows like it's me that's feeling or it's me that's talking to her you know like I think I connected with her then in a like a much deeper connection so do you want to talk us through those last few weeks yeah it was so I had Kaylee on the first of August I had gestational diabetes so I remember I wasn't told until like 32 weeks and it was only like 0.1 on the scale. I was over and I on only one test. I was like, are you sure it's gestational diabetes? Like the thoughts of trying to do all these fingerprints. Yeah. And she, I remember the midwife being like, you're having a baby. Get used to these needles. Like, you know, like laughing it off. And I was like, I can't. Anyway, they were so supportive. I went up and because it was through COVID, it was all done through the phone. So you'd go up one day and like she literally showed me how to prick myself. And then you were sent home, like none of the classes. And I remember just telling myself, like, I've been through so much mentally. I really don't want to have to inject myself physically. So I just really stuck to the diet and I was so strict. And... I didn't I it was diet control then for the rest so I think then like at maybe 34 weeks I I went back, back to work then things started opening back up so we were one of the first crashes to open back up I think that was in June the end of June and I worked then two weeks and I took then my I went on my maternity leave and I remember everybody saying to me Oh my goodness, I've never seen such a big bump. My whole entire life, I was humongous. And I'm like, oh, I know, I know. And they're telling me, like, then I my 38 week scan, I said to the to the uh to the midwife, I said, look, I'm actually really anxious. Like I said, I'm 38 weeks. I said, um, I don't want to be induced. I said, I'm very like, I want to try and go natural and I said, but I think this baby's very big. I said, I feel like she's no more room like left, I said, and I physically feel like I can't grow anymore. And she said, look, I'm going to send you for a growth scan again. And I was like, right, okay. So the, la- the first growth scan, they said the baby was approximately five pounds. And then on my 38-week scan, they said the baby was about five and a half pounds. So they said, look, your baby's fine like this is just an average but like it's not a big baby you've nothing to worry about I remember just like being so tired and being so big and just barely able to walk like I was like I'm so fed up now I want this baby here and um so 
what happened then? Oh, yeah. So I asked for a sweep on my 38 week and they gave it to me. They said that I was in favor for it. I was drinking raspberry leaf tea like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> Eating dates. Uh, I never touched the dates. I was no, like, neither no, I, they're I, rotten. <laughs> I don't care. I'll drink the tea, but I'm not touching the dates. And I got a sweep. And we went to, um, we went like walking that night. Like she said to me, like, your cervix is open and all like this is very favorable. Like I can't give you, you know, false hope. But I was like, okay, okay. 39 weeks came back up to the comb and I was like, where is this baby? Like I said, you, I couldn't, I was so upset then. I was like, I'm very hormonal. I want this baby to be here now. Like I said, I'm so sore and I'm not sleeping, you know, that I'm final stages mm, yeah. where you're just like, and I said, I want another sweep. So I had another sweep and we went to Malahide Castle and Gardens and we walked and we walked and I got my show in Malahide Gardens. So uh, Kaylee's dad then said, sure, come on, we go to Hoot. And I was like, oh, lovely, we get ice cream. He took me up the mountain. Oh. And all I kept having was visions of an air ambulance coming to collect me because I went into labour. No, still no sign of this baby coming. And then at 40 weeks, I said, no, you just have to do something now. Like she wasn't moving. She'd no room. So my consultant then was like, look, we're going to keep you in and we're going to start you in the morning. But when she checked me, I was like one centimeter. So I only had to get induced then by the oxytocin drip. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So... Yeah. And were you at that stage, were you thinking about what happened like in that moment when you gave birth? Do you know, between you and Kaylee's dad? No. Were you anxious I, about that? I think looking back now, I should have, I would have never let him in the room if I had been strong mentally. I think if I had a break in that connection of still loving him, I would have been mentally stronger to be like, no, you don't deserve to be here after what you put me through. But he came in and I have to say he was incredible. Although he wasn't there for me emotionally, he was mentally and physically there, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like where you wanted that kiss, you know, towards the end or but like when things became really tough, you know, towards the end of labor. Um, he was amazing. Like he was very, very good. Like with that and like you know when they're right let's go last push come on like he was kneel deep in the middle of it you can do this look at me like let's go she's nearly here and I think in that stage I didn't care about him which Mm. sounds so bad but I just wanted my baby to be safe and me to be safe yeah so yeah I think yeah no I I think like at that stage then I knew there's never going to be me and you or there were not getting back. So when we went in to have Bert, so I was kept in then a 40 weeks. They didn't let me home then because the doctor, my consultant wasn't happy with like Kaylee on the scan. Okay. So he went home, like he was outside the hospital waiting on me and he took up my bags and everything like that and then the sure it was through COVID so there was no visitors allowed like so mm. like I remember him texting me like how are you like he got up at six o'clock that morning he was outside the hospital from seven o'clock just in case I was called like so he was very good with, with that type of it like you know he didn't want me to go through one thing on my own like so mm-hmm. I wouldn't, now looking back at it, although I probably wouldn't have had a minute, I wouldn't have changed it. I'm glad that he got to see his daughter born too. Do you want to talk us through your induction? Yes, because I think for me, them words sent shivers down my spine. I was like, I'm so scared. And I remember telling my consultant, like, I'm so scared. I've You hear horror stories. Mm. But like I want anybody that listen is listening to this and is going to go through an induction. Like I had such a positive experience. It was so nice. So obviously I only needed to drip and my waters broke. So um the midwives all that day were checking on me. They're like, You're next on the list, and then sure there'd be an emergency. And I wouldn't be next on the list. So I went up to the the labour ward at about 4.30 that day. And I met my midwife, Rachel. 
and who was incredible. And she was like, we talked about my birth preferences. And I said, look, I don't want an epidural. I'm petrified of needles. I want to do this naturally. I had like my podcast. I wanted to listen to my calming music. And she was like, that's okay. But she said, I just want you to be openly minded that an induction is not the same as a natural birth. So if things get tough or, you know, you can't get an epidural. And I was like, okay. So she got me all set up and got like the needle and all my drips sorted. And then my consultant come in, Sarah Murphy, who was absolutely like, she wasn't even my consultant through my pregnancy, but she was consultant on the day and she was amazing. Like, mm-hmm. and she broke my waters and went on the drip and I remember sitting there talking away and next thing this pain out of nowhere came I was like oh my god what is that and she was like that's a contraction Sarah Louise I was like oh oh my god I was like okay maybe I will get epidural and that was the first contraction so we started timing them then and um my contractions came really really fast so they were coming for 45 seconds and then they were going away for 15 seconds so like they literally came rapid and no break no break at all and I remember the gas and air taking that and uh, it's actually it's so funny I remember like because with the gas and air I was like oh, I felt sick then because I was like hoofing it into me. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, no, like I actually need something stronger now. Like I'm not even getting a breather. And I remember the sweat was pouring down. I was like, get a fan, get me water spray. Like I was like, get me something. And then, so this went on for about an hour. And I said, will you check me? Like, I feel like I need to push. And she was like, I'm not checking you, Sarah Louise. She said, you're going through enough without me having to poke and prod. She said, you're not she said I'm looking at like she looked and everything but she said no and she said Sarah Louise they're coming very fast like she said would you think about getting the epidural and I was like I'm really really scared and she said you've nothing to be scared of I'll be with you every step of the way she said your partner obviously the hospital didn't know that we were split up mm-hmm. um it'll be with you every step of the way and I was like okay I want the epidural and I said if it's going to make it that I can enjoy this because I said I can't even talk like and so they come in with the doc I was waiting she said to me actually the doctor's on the ward if you want this epidural this is your chance now because we might get him up and I was like right okay so he come in and he started it and when he was starting to put the epidural in I was like I need to push so he was like looking at my midwife as if to say like what do you mean like did you check her and she said she's not needing to push I'd say it's just the contractions so he had to stop every time I got a contraction putting an epidural in until my contraction passed but because they were coming so fast sure it took him forever to get this epidural in and so did you just have that permanent feeling of bearing down like just so deep and yeah okay so deep so um once the epidural was finally put in then sure the midwives were starting to change 
shift and she said, Sarah Louise, I'm going to check you before I leave because if you're ready, she said, I'm going to stay until the baby's born. And she said, no, she said, you're nine centimetres. Not too far off. Not too far off. Yeah. That's so you must have so, been working really hard then, but even yeah. while you were getting the epidural, yeah. Yeah, she was like, this is brilliant. She said, you're flying at night, like you're nearly at the end. And... um. Then I stayed, so the a new midwife come in, and I can't remember the name more. And I always be like, I just didn't have that bond with her the way I had the bond with my first midwife, and she was a young midwife and everything. And I just, I was like, she was great now, and that like she got the peanut ball and she had put that between your legs, and you, you know, I want you now to really focus on every contraction, and so ten centimeters came, so they stopped the oxytocin drip then, and. She calmed down the epidural and I was like, so she said, look, I'm going to give you 45 minutes. That has been horrendous, like a couple of hours for you. Like it's been nonstop. And I said, right, okay. So 45 minutes came and like I wasn't getting any then or just the push or anything. So. Sorry, Sarah Louise, did you have a little, did you have a reprieve? So did you get time to just have a rest and have a sleep or anything? You did? Okay. She gave me 45 minutes. She said, look, I'll give you 45 minutes just to see how things go. And then so 45 minutes came and said, nice, Sarah Louise, this is the most important part because you're 10 centimetres. We need to get this baby. And like she showed me like how to push like deep in, you know, heels to the bed. And I done that. And every time she'd say, oh, my God, I can see baby's head. Mm-hmm. And then after the contraction. I had no more urge to push. So this went on for about like 45 minutes. And I was like, I was getting really tired then at this Mm -hmm. stage. And she said, look, I'm going to get the head midwife just to come in and have a look. And so they said, did you scan her? And she was like, no. And she said, just scan her there and see where the baby is. Because every time she's contraction, we can see the baby's head. Like, so we know, sorry. Okay. So we know the baby's on the way. Like, so... And she was like, your heartbeat's perfect. The baby's heartbeat's perfect. So we've nothing to worry about. Like, and they kept reassuring me, like, the baby's okay. You're okay. So they scanned me and they pressed the button, basically. And the room kind of started filling up. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? And she said to me, Sarah Louise, the baby's stuck because her shoulder is stuck. Okay. So she was like, look, she said, you've worked so hard. And I said, they're not using forceps or anything on me. I said, I don't want that. I told him I did not want that. And she said, look, the consultant came in and said, you told me this yesterday when I admitted you, you didn't want this. And I said, no. And she said, look, what we can do is we can try and manually remove it and we can go. And I said, well, that's what we're going to do. So they manually like did what they had to do and I said she started coming over with the forceps then she said look we just need to be prepared because this is when the baby's heart rate might drop and we have to you know act fast and like this talked me through every single like move they made so I felt like I was still very much in control and once like she took her hand out like I was like I need to push and like the baby was there in two pushes oh wow so it was like very fast in the end, like, but it was so like, I remember like feeling so empowered, like I can do this, like, especially them final two pushes where, you know, you can really feel 
everything like and she came then and she was nine three <laughs> so it wasn't a small baby after all no gorgeous healthy girl yeah, yeah big I remember like all the doctors being like oh my goodness what a big baby like she was so long she was like a monster and did she come up onto your chest uh yeah she came straight up to my onto my chest but they had to stitch me and I remember being like no I can't I I couldn't so I said look will you let dad hold the baby and let because I remember being to him like look like towards the end I was like it's so important that you make this bond with this baby now because I suppose I was conscious that he didn't make the bond when I was pregnant Mm. where I was very much attached to Kaylee like and I knew like her moves like if her if she didn't kick properly during the I was like there's something wrong you know I knew where he didn't have that so he done skin to skin then and then like they worked and had to do what they had to do on me then and I was breastfeeding then, so they said, look, she needs fed now, we're finished with you. And they got me up and kind of got me cleaned and gave me kind of a wee bed wash or whatever. And then I started breastfeeding. And how did it, do you remember her first latch? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was so sore. I remember being like, oh my goodness. And like, she had these, she's massive lips. Like, And I remember like these lips being like, yeah. and like you know that real like yeah. deep like and uh, yeah so I fed her and I have to be honest I didn't really know what I was doing and the midwife I remember saying to me you're so nervous I was so nervous and I don't know why because like I worked in that sector from I was 18 I've loads of nieces and nephews but I remember thinking like this is my baby and I need to guard mm. her with and I was so nervous even holding her, like even though she was massive, she was very thin, like her limbs and her wee arms and her legs and everything were so thin. And I remember when I was breastfeeding her, like she was so rough with her, like just pulling her. I was like, ah, what are you doing with my baby? Like, and she was like, it's okay. So she really worked with me then for about 45 minutes trying to get that latch and trying different maneuvers because once she latched, she was letting go for a while and then like say like she was sucking for like five seven minutes and then she'd stop and we'd have to relatch her and she was like she's not like comfortable when she's latching she should be latching a bit more comfortably so she was amazing like she really worked with me and showed me what to do and then I had my tea and toast and I was there for about three hours after my birth with the midwife and you know we got her dressed and fed her again and she was like she's a very hungry baby like she was like I can tell you know and I was like yeah I was like do we need to give her a bottle because I remember saying like I don't mind giving a top up and she was like no way we're not giving the top up yet let's get this latch under control like and then so with COVID they weren't laid down to the to the ward and I remember I think that's when it really really hit me then so when we went down and the midwife was like, look, I'll give you a minute. Daddy, if you want to kiss mommy, goodbye. Now you're not going to see her till tomorrow. And the two of us just looked at each other. And obviously he didn't kiss me like he kissed Kaylee. And he said, like, he tapped me on the back. He said, I'll see you tomorrow. Like, and I remember going down to the ward and the mid- I busted out crying. And even now the midwife was like, it's okay. Like you've been through so much. And I remember then busting out and telling her, like, you know, no, like, this is what's wrong. 
And it just felt so good to have it in the open, you know, like, mm-hmm. sorry. And I remember her saying to me, like, oh, look, she said, after you have a baby, your hormones are all over the place. And she was like, like, going back to that, I was like, do you have the support that you need? Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I do. And she was like, I just don't think that's a good idea. Like, she said, I can't tell you what to do. But, like, she was like, um, like, she just went through everything with me. Like, and she was like, um, like, you need to look after you now. You're number one before this baby or, you know, before, like, the daddy or the baby. She said, you're number one. And she said, you're going to go through an array of emotions over the next five, ten days, like, uh, everything. And she said, um, I want you to... Like, she said, I need you to have the support, like, especially with breastfeeding and everything. And I said, no, like I said, like, he's great. Like, he'll do all the cooking, which he did. Like, he was very much like, you know, you don't worry about anything. And anyway, I couldn't walk. I was that sore after giving birth. And I remember then going back to the house and everything when Kaylee was born. And I was topping her up because in the hospital, like, the next morning when, like, the, you know, the midwife's change. And she was like, you look exhausted. And I said, I haven't slept. Like, I said, she's literally on the boob the whole night. Like, And she was like, she's a very hungry baby. And I said, yeah. And she said, what you think about giving her a top-up? She said, I shouldn't recommend it, but she said you need sleep like and yeah. she said the bottle might and I said yeah I said maybe so so I remember like she was like look I'll take the baby I'll throw a bottle you go to sleep if there's a problem and like I was like what are they really doing this for me like but they did and I give her the bottle and she I remember her sleeping for like three hours because when I woke up it was like three hours later and then daddy come up or whatever and I had been breastfeeding her and I said look you can top her up with a bottle because I want to go for a shower and you know I hadn't left the bed so I remember like that first shower and just being like oh this is amazing and I come down like and she was asleep and then I always then I was like no do you know what I have to do this on my own and I remember like trying then at that stage I was trying to think ahead so then at that stage then I was like right okay I'm going to top her up at the bottle because it means then if I want to give up the breastfeeding that I know she's used to milk and the formula and so uh, they said to me the next, that day like you can leave and I was like oh no I don't want to leave and they were like what and I said I'm not ready to go home yet and she was like you have your breastfeeding under control and I said but I'm in an awful lot of pain I said like I can't get in and out of the bed without somebody coming to help me like I said it's really really sore and she was like Sarah Louise you had a fourth degree tear and she was like it's going to be sore for a while like and she said we'll give you pain relief and all and I was like no I'm not going home I said I just want one more night just to make sure that I'm comfortable with the breastfeeding and she was like no that's okay you can stay so I stayed one more night and I remember the next morning getting her up and you know getting her dressed to go mm. home and I remember putting her into the car and I sat in the car and I remember busting it crying and he's looking at me going what the hell like I mean like hysterically crying and I was like oh I don't know like what if something happens or and he was like nothing's going to happen or like we're both here we're going to be fine 
so that was grand and then I remember texting everybody and being like look I don't want any visitors with Covid and I said just give me a couple of days because in my head I knew then at that stage then like you know things although like the environment wasn't toxic with the baby like but we were in a very toxic place and I remember then going for my checkup like your two-week checkup the like the public health nurse asked me to go and see the doctor because I was still very sore and they put me on like an antibiotic and I remember telling the GP like look this is what's going on I'm I can't stop crying when the baby's crying like I was like I don't have like a bond with the baby and I remember just saying that out, and she was like that's okay that will come and you know you have to build this relationship and I was like no like this is what's going on at home and she was like oh my goodness you need to get out of that environment like straight away she was like oh my goodness does anybody know like who's supporting you through all this and all like my GP was absolutely incredible like she was like no way she was like you need to tell your parents and you need like you need everybody to support you and I was like but what about him and she was like it's not about him he never had a baby you had a baby and she was like no absolutely not so she was like I did I never noticed you should have told me before this I could have you you know like a bit more mentally prepared and so I remember then um just I suppose at that stage then like I was finding things of his personal life that was hurting me and he come home from work and he was like that's it like I can't do this anymore we're telling our parents so we drove to the dock and I remember like telling we told his parents first and everybody was just so heartbroken like what do you mean you just had a baby like this is you know but I don't think they realized that it had been going on from the very start you know Mm -hmm. so I remember being like how am I going to tell my dad like my dad's very old school like he's an older and like you know you just have what you mean like and I remember like him just being like at the time we told everybody it was a mutual decision and I think it was just so that there would be no arguments like we have to be part of each other's life for the next 18 years like I didn't want families falling out or so once we told our families I felt like a world was lifted off our shoulders you know we'd so much support and my family his family like both families were incredible with both of us like you know and um, I remember then he went away with the lads and I was still living up in like the house at the time and he went away with the lads and I think that was the final straw for me I remember being like I'm in the house on my own with no poor baby he's out living his life with the lads and I think that was a reality check like I'm not bonding with this baby although this is all we ever wanted and I think like he probably bonded with the baby at that stage a lot more than I did because I think I was everything that I tried to hide from the baby in pregnancy come out I could I suppose grieve for this relationship mm-hmm. and um I remember when he come home I said I'm done I told my family and at that stage then my sister I didn't want to live with my dad because my dad was old. I didn't want him to have him to deal with a newborn baby, you know. And although he offered the house, like Kaylee's dad's parents offered the house to me, like 
I knew that wouldn't have been a good idea either because I still wasn't getting away and not dealing with the fact that this relationship had now broke down. So I um I moved in with my sister and like they got everything ready for me and I remember the final day and I'm being like so we the family photo shoot like this like in my head like I don't know what I was thinking like but like we done a pregnancy photo shoot together as a couple like like in my head I like looking back now you know and we done a family photo shoot when the baby was a newborn now I'm glad because I think when she's older like she yeah. will be it was for her you know in my head like and I remember on the Friday when I was moving out the sense of relief lifted my body the day I walked out of that house and I said I will never turn back mm. and it was a happy and sad medium because I knew it was over but I knew that my new life was starting which is mm. bizarre because you don't even think um in that frame of mind you're not thinking like that but I knew I had to build this relationship with this baby because she was all I ever wanted and I came home to Dundalk and the support was absolutely incredible like and I think then like it just went from strength to strength although we were very toxic at the start and there was stuff and there was things I'm sure we both looking back now were like what the hell were we thinking um and I remember just thinking like how could he move on and like think of another woman like when I can't even think of another man or you know like I was so focused on what he was doing with his life and then I was in Costa one day and I was feeding the baby and I think then like for that split second I realized like I had built that bond with the baby and I I remember looking back going, oh my God, how did you go through all that and come out the other side and be okay? And I knew then the way Katie used to look at me, then I knew we built that bond and I think I knew we were going to be okay. But I remember Kaylee getting sick all over Costa. And I knew then, not that I was over him, but I knew that chapter of my life was closed because the fella in Costa, when he was coming down, I remember going, oh my goodness, he's beautiful looking and I never felt like that or I never yeah. looked like that at somebody else before like you know and yeah like I just then why well, you just really focused on like when I done night feeds in my sister's house I would always do skin to skin with or just like really trying to build that bond with her and then I remember she was really really sick and she had to go in the hospital and I said, now I know that bond was there because that fright that I got and she just wanted her mommy like she wouldn't settle, you know, in a car or anybody else's arms, only mine. And then I realised that, you know what, i done the right thing by leaving then. And I probably should have left a long, long time ago, but I didn't. Oh. <sighs> Wow. When you said, like, just the moment when you said that you left on that Friday in my head, I was like, now she can be held. Yeah. Like, finally, like, there's nothing more. Sorry. Sorry. God. <laughs> nothing more than you needed. That's all. That's what you needed. You needed that so much. 
but I'm so glad I'm so glad that you were in Costa that day and got to feel yeah. that got to feel like yeah Jesus I have this yeah yeah it was crazy like and looking back now like Kelly's two and four months like yeah. I thought I would never move on and I have moved on and I'm so much happier like you know so like yeah. although it was very hard and it was an emotional roller coaster I do think that like there's always light at the end of the tunnel and I think like no matter how bad you are in a mental place like you will get there and like there will be happiness you just have to fight each day you know and get there and when you get there you'll never look back I think like anybody that's going through this pregnancy on their own or like their marriage or their relationship is really on the rocks like just take each day as it comes and like I promise you it will get better and like they are the best days of your life like thank you so much for being for being so honest I really appreciate it thank you so much for having me I really hope that it helps people in my because I think there is a lot of people out there um, yeah I'm so glad that I done this though I'm glad that I done it because I wanted to do it for months because I had said like once I do this now this is it like I know I'm going to help somebody because even when I put up the photo of me and Kaylee on your page remember like her first I remember somebody had reached out to me like and I was like don't worry you got this you're going to be okay like I remember thinking like, oh, she has a long road, but she will get there. Like, you know, yeah, I was like, so yeah. I hope like by me doing this podcast, like it would make somebody know that it's going to be OK. Like, And what I can do is if you're comfortable, I'll tag you in the post as well. So people can yeah. reach out. I'll mention in the intro that you're, you're, yeah. you're as long as you're comfortable with people reaching out to you, that you're yeah. there if you need them. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Thanks, Sarah Louise. Okay. Bye. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and please do pass on Sarah Louise's story to someone who you know might need to hear it. Um, I will chat to you next week with a brand new episode on Monday and if you would like to share your story you're more than welcome to just get in touch over on the website irelandsbirthstories.ie um, click on the share your stories tab fill out a few details and I'll get back to you as soon as possible with a date for our chat. Have a good week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.